You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, Episode 76, brought to you by Vessi Seeds and Safer's Gardening Products. Well, folks, today we've got a, a guest back here. We've got Robert Pavlis, author Robert Pavlis, and we're going to talk about uh, transplanting myths and tips. Who is Robert Pavlis? If you have not listened to an episode with Robert Pavlis before, he's the author of the books Garden Myths and Building Natural Ponds. He's a master gardener with over 40 years uh, of experience. Uh, owner and developer of uh, Aspen Grove Gardens, a six-acre botanical garden in Guelph, Ontario. A speaker and a teacher on, on the topic of gardening. He's published uh, articles in various publications. Uh, author of widely, uh, the widely read blogs, Garden Myths and GardenFundamentals.com. I actually often frequent Garden Myths and even get into debates on Garden Myths sometimes. Um, and he also has a YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, I've noticed, Robert, you've been fairly busy pumping out content, uh, content this year. Yeah, I've uh, tried to increase the amount of YouTube videos I'm making, and it seems to go on quite well. People seem to like, uh, they, they, there's no TV shows on gardening, right? So YouTube is your second best thing. That's a so, good point. Yeah, a lot of people complain about TV, that there's no gardening on there anymore, and I figured YouTube must be a good substitute, so I'm going to put more effort into that this year. I think it's a, yeah, I mean, that's that's where I go for just, for everything. I don't, well, I don't even have cable anymore. Anyway, you seem to be doing good. I mean, you got more subscribers than me, so. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess we'll have a race, see who, yes, exactly. who climbs fastest. Exactly. Oh, man, so... Uh, how are you doing this uh, this year? I've noticed. Uh, how's the winter been in Guelph? Uh, it's been it's been lovely for me because it's cold and we have a fair amount of snow and people are complaining it's one of the worst winters we've had in a long time, and uh, that's great because I have so much stuff to do indoors that I don't really need. I don't have time to go outdoors anyways, so I don't feel bad. I've been doing a lot of writing. Uh, oh. Finished uh, the second Garden Myths book. Garden Myths two. Garden Myths two was out uh, three or four weeks ago. Oh, okay, great. And so that's available on uh, Amazon. It's available on Amazon now. Yes, yeah, the blue blue version. First one was red. The second one's blue. And uh, we had talked about that last fall, and uh, I started it in sort of Octoberish and got it published. I worked quite well. And I'm actually writing a fourth book. Oh, so, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's too much work. <laughs> yeah, because you were, before you were a gardening guru, you, did you have a career as a, what was, what was your, this is sort of like your, your second career, isn't it? Yeah, I was, uh, I was a chemist, biochemist, uh, as far as education goes. And I spent most of my life in marketing, sales, and then I developed a software company and ran it for 25 years. Holy smoke! So You're a Renaissance uh, man. <laughs> yeah, sold sold the business, retired early, and started a career in writing. Wow, that's that sounds good. That sounds great. That sounds great to me. <laughs> um, now your winter—it's it's been a really weird winter here, where we we are actually just getting our first—and I can't speak for everywhere in the Maritimes, but where I live in this part of Nova Scotia, we just got—and I'm talking like last week. Our first layer of snow that actually stuck. Um, every other snow we've gotten, it was we only seemed to get snow on days when it was above zero. It, it would it would go it would be like minus double digits overnight. Um, for those in the United States, I'm talking Celsius here. And then by morning, it would like warm up to zero, and then it'd be like two degrees, and it would snow like crazy. Yeah. And then the snow would turn to rain, and it'd be like five degrees by in the afternoon and then it would all rain away and disappear and then it would drop down to so the ground would get completely soaked and then it would go to minus double digits again for a week and so the ground is is just ice it's solid ice right now and now we've got this layer of snow on top to just keep it nice and icy for a long time yeah yeah we actually had a nice december but uh since christmas uh it's been quite cold and we've had snow on the ground constantly since christmas that's good that's what you want you know you want a good layer of snow to just stay and stick around yeah. keep everything nice and a nice nice warm blanket nice a nice snowy blanket yeah it's the best thing for plants yes yeah i don't know what this is going to do to uh, i mean I, i've sort of compensated i mean and, uh by, by putting like leaves and stuff over things just to almost like 
making snow <laughs> out of leaves sort of thing. But uh, I'm really curious to see how the uh, last year we had a, a winter like this was 2015. And that um, that gardening season was the worst vegetable garden I'd ever had. I mean, it still was a decent garden, but for me, I was just like almost depressed. It was so um, so I, I changed the way I go about gardening a lot to sort of compensate for this is exactly that kind of winter. Mm. So uh, we'll see if these little changes I've made are, are have any advantage at all or if it'll be another disaster. And if it is a disaster, it'll all be uh, captured on YouTube. Because <laughs> 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 I don't do like the, the before and after one video. I used to say, hey, I'm planting this this week. And then, I'm, I'm, you know, three weeks later, hey, look, it's growing. Or, hey, look, it totally failed. <laughs> so it's all out there for uh, for, for everyone, for the world to see uh, the failures of shit. Oh, anyway, so today we're going to talk about, um, I, I don't, I just, I just put some content out very recently uh, speaking to how I'm really not that big on um, doing transplants indoors for various reasons. I'm not going to get into that, but uh, Robert um, has got a lot of tips, tricks, and myths to bust about uh, seed germination and uh, various aspects of getting transplants going. Are these, is this content, the stuff we're going to talk about today, is this from Garden Miss 1 or Garden Miss 2 or a combination of the two or, or stuff from the blog? Um, well, a lot of it's actually not myths. So we'll throw in a few myths here and there, but a lot of it is just general information uh, that's found in my Garden Fundamentals uh, yes. blog. Right. And I have quite a few YouTube uh, videos on seed germination. So I had an uh, uh, interesting thing happen to me this uh, about two months ago. Uh, I had some seeds germinate. And uh, these were Halicia seeds, which is a small shrub. Uh, well, uh, uh, sorry, uh, a tall shrub or small tree. And those had been incubating for five years. Five years. I got them from a friend of mine and I uh, had about eight seeds and two of the eight germinated and they're both grown really well. How were they? they weren't, I assume they weren't incubating outside. No. And the, the, the way I, I start most, now I'm not talking vegetables. I'll, I'll talk about vegetables a little later, but I do those differently. Right. But if I'm germinating perennials, trees, shrubs, grasses, anything like that, most of those seeds I do in what I call the baggy method. What, what and, is that? And I basically take a uh, cellophane little baggie, uh, put in a, a tissue paper, a paper towel, uh, wet it, put the seeds in, seal it up, and then it sits around in whatever conditions are needed. And why I like this, I, I can look in it and see the seeds actually start to germinate. Right. right. And I can very easily move it around. So uh, right now I've got a, a tub of... Uh, baggies sitting on my desk here that need warm germination but any that don't germinate by well let's say May first of May I'll put them into the fridge and give them a cold treatment for a couple of weeks right, right and then bring them out back into the warmth to see if that germinates them but this uh, like a, uh, a stratification is what they call it people think that stratification means cold and in almost all cases, stratification means cold and wet. Right. So if you buy some seed or you collect seed in your garden and someone says, well, they, those have to be stratified, a lot of people just put them in their fridge thinking, well, if I keep them in there for three months, I've stratified them. But the seeds are dry. And right. so that cold period doesn't actually count. The stratification has to happen with seeds that have absorbed moisture. It would almost be like you're, you're simulating a spring thaw. A spring thaw. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyways, the, the ba I like the baggy method for that reason. I, I can have in a very small part of my beer fridge, I, I've got the 150, 200 bags of seeds, and they take up no space at all. Also, one more great reason to have a beer fridge. <laughs> well... Yeah, the, my wife doesn't really like them that much in the main fridge, so they stay downstairs hidden away, so she can't see how many I have. Another, uh, another good reason for a beer fridge. <laughs> but, if, you know, like these Halicia seeds, I, I just germinate. I mean, it took 
they were five years and they were in and out of the fridge. I don't know how many times. So I'd bring them out warm, hope they germinate. They didn't put them back in the cold. And I knew they were very slow germinating. So uh, that's why I hadn't given up on them. But all of the other ways of germinating seeds, you, you know, you'd give up. Like if you just put them in a pot and they'd be sitting outside for five years, you'd forget to water them. You'd you know, all kinds of things would happen to them. The chance of germination there is, is pretty slim, but this way it's, it's, it's quite a good system. Yeah, so I like doing it th that way. Um, you can monitor it and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, the other thing. Sorry, I've got one question. How do you prevent um, uh, mold and, and mildew and stuff like that inside the bag? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. I don't get a lot of mold. I get a little bit sometimes. What I do find, if the seeds are not uh, viable, they will eventually mold up. Right. And in fact, I can say I put 10 seeds in and I might get one that suddenly gets covered in mold. And I know that one's not viable. It's a dead seed. Mm. So I, I take that out. Uh, once a baggie's about a year old, they, they do have mold in them and there's black spots. It looks like the bread mold. Right. But, you know, here's, here's one. It's a clematis. In fact, one of these just germinated yesterday. Clematis take a long time to germinate, and it's pretty clean, and it's been in here for 14 months. Holy smokes. And it's, I mean, there's a little bit of mold here and there, but not a lot. You'd be surprised at how little mold there is. Right. And I don't really use any sterile conditions to, to put them together. I, you know, they're sitting on my desk, and sometimes I use my fingers and so on. It's mold's still not really a problem. What what the me what's the the medium the like uh, uh it's a paper towel it's paper towel it could be I I actually use a paper towel that I get at uh, home hardware stores uh, because it's a little thicker it's it's designed for like a workshop oh for cleaning up but I use the white ones not the blue ones so I can see the seeds easier yeah that makes sense. Now, you could use a kitchen towel, but I find the paper is a lot thinner and tends to fall apart once it's wet, so it's a little harder to work with, but it would certainly work. You don't this have thing to you're using it. Is it, is it, biodegra is it a biodegradable, uh, or is it like uh, a Jay, Jiffy, Jerry, Jerry yeah, bag or whatever? It's, it, I think it would be biodegradable. It's made out of paper, like right, a standard okay. paper product, so it okay. would compost just like a newspaper, say. Just a heavy paper towel. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just a thicker paper towel. Okay. Um, so that's how I do most uh, seeds. Um, the other way I I have done it, and I at one point I did quite a bit, is something that's called winter sowing, and that's something that your listeners can do right now. It's uh, it's actually almost a little too late in some areas, but um, in that case, you can do it next year. Um, and I used to do it during Christmas time when I didn't have anything else to do. And you basically take a milk jug and, uh, or, or a, uh, a two liter pop bottle or any container that's either clear or at least white so that some light goes through. Right. And you cut, cut it in half and you put some holes in the bottom for drainage, put some soil in, put your seeds in, tape the, the top back on and you just put it outside in your garden in the middle of winter. Right. And then you leave it. Right. And you don't know anything. You don't water it. You, you don't worry about the cold. The, the snow will get on it. It'll melt. It'll whatever. It's, it goes through a natural spring cycle. Yeah. And what you end up with is really small seedlings. And at first you might think, boy, this isn't working so well. These seedlings are so tiny, but they're really tough seedlings. Right. Whereas when we try to germinate things in the house, uh, we usually don't give them enough light and then they get kind of tall and straggly and, and weak. Um, but this system works really well. The one thing you do have to watch is that once the weather gets nice and you're getting more sun, uh, that you don't cook them in that little greenhouse, right? So you have to take the cap off or something to make sure it gets ventilation or keep them in a part shade area. So how does it get water in that? Uh... Uh, well, it doesn't really dry out. Uh, well, if you, this you, is the soil you've moistened. You've moistened the soil. Oh, right. And because it's, it's, it's a closed system, it doesn't really lose much moisture. Yeah. 
So between January and let's, you know, in my, my zone five, I'd say April, early April, it's fine. Once early April comes, you kind of watch it a bit. And if it dries out, you, you give it some water. Um, but you really don't have to do anything to it. And uh, that works great for, for many of the plants. A lot of the annuals that go into the garden, uh, anything that's not tropical, you know, that can take the cold. The seed can handle being frozen. Yeah. yeah and yeah. wet and frozen, yeah. Wet and frozen. And so anything that's you know, sort of grows natural in cold climates works. Um, even things that are from warmer climates are fine. But some tropical things, they, they can't take any cold and, and they will die. Yeah. Um, but it's a really easy system. Um, I have a video, a YouTube video on on. Uh, winter sowing and I have a picture that somebody else gave me it's, it's this they have a deck out the back of their house and they have like 50 milk bottles out there Holy and they're just you know they, the, the person went a little wild that year and they just had so many of these things going um, but it's it's a simple way of doing it right yeah um, and then of course the other way is is in the house and um, you know, you start them as normal. You put them in soil and put put them under lights. Um, what I what I don't like about putting them in soil is is that if I'm working with seed that I don't know, and nothing comes up, I don't know if the seed was dead, or the seed was okay, but they didn't get the right treatment. You know, maybe mm -hmm. they needed a cold treatment. I didn't give it to them. Um, maybe they needed to be scarified, which means cutting them a little bit to break right. the outer shell. Um, but I can't see what's going on. They're in the soil, so they're hidden. So I don't really like that. But I do use that method for things like tomatoes, for instance, because I know they germinate and I know they're warm germinators, right? You put them in the soil, give them two weeks, 10 days to two weeks, and they're going to be up. Uh, most indoor vegetables, I would do like that, like cucumbers, for instance. I would do right. that way. I found um, with peppers, it's hard to be patient because they seem to take. When I used to, when I used to do that, because peppers sometimes take two or three weeks. If you yeah. haven't, uh, you're always like, did I, did I, did I do something wrong? Did they go bad? You know, and it's you, you sort of want to, you know, you, it takes a lot of patience. Oh. I can't imagine waiting five years for something. That you're <laughs> well, try try doing peppers in a in a baggy system. Yeah, yeah, because you can see if they if they go rotten, you'll see it right away. So how do you if you're doing this baggy trick? Mm -hmm. How do you get the seedling? So let's say I, I might try this. I'm going to get my. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this because I did a video on on buying seeds like weeks and weeks and weeks ago. But I I just emailed uh, Bessie's. Um, all my the seeds I want this year uh, yesterday. <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, let's say I, I I put some peppers in a bag with with some paper towel, and so now I've got this unbelievably fragile um, sprout um, in the bag. What do I do then? Well, it, it's not that fragile actually. You'd, okay. you'd be surprised. Um, the most of the like pepper seeds, for instance, they're huge compared to some of the seeds I deal with. Uh, I, yeah. I just use some some tweezers and I take them out one at a time and pot them up. And in fact, that's another reason I like it. If, if you have seed where you only have a few and you want to grow them all, you can only put one. You put one seed in a pot. Whereas if you don't pre-germinate them, you have to kind of put two or three in a pot and see what happens, and then they're yep. crowded, and you have to separate them or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. This this way, you, I only put one in, and I know when I'm putting that seed in the soil, it's germinated because I can see the root on it. Now, when you put it in, do you have to aim it up or anything, or just just put it, you know? Yeah, uh, they know which way's up and down. Okay. I I mean I I usually kind of. I'd make a little uh, hole with pepper seeds are large enough. I'd make a tiny little hole and try to drop it in with the root going down. But if right. it's pointing up, that's okay. It'll, It'll turn figure around. it out. It'll turn around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. In fact, uh, that was an experiment I've done last couple of years is with bulbs. You know, they always say, well, make sure you plant the bulb the right way up. Bulbs don't care. You can just throw them in the ground and they'll turn themselves around after a couple of years. Really? Yeah, plants plants know which way's up and down. Well, you, I mean, yeah, the... you take your tulips and plant them all upside down, they'll be fine. 
you know, they wouldn't have made it very far if that was they were if they were there. If they were that temperamental, I don't think they would have survived uh, a couple of millennia. <laughs> yeah, same with same with seeds. Um, but it's if you've never actually seen them germinate, uh, it's just fun to even do because you you'll see the little radical come out first, uh, and it will have no root hairs. Um, and then depending on the seed you're dealing with, sometimes they make quite long roots. Um, like clematis seed will make quite a long root before any of the um, the shoot comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, some like a bean seed, the root comes out one day and the shoot comes out the next day, are almost simultaneous. Mm. Right? And you do want to try to get these seeds out of the baggie before they make a lot of root hairs, because the root hairs will will stick into the paper towel, and then then you do some damage to them. Right. Uh, but those seed, seeds are actually quite quite a bit tougher than you might think. Could you possibly, if you had a, a good biodegradable, you know, if you had something that would break down, could you possibly just cut out the paper towel that the seed was on and stick that in? Yeah, if, I've done that before. Put it into it. Yeah, if I, if I leave them too long and I don't look at them and then they're a little too big, then that's what I'll do. I'll cut the paper and just plant the whole paper with the, the root. I've got to say, you know, I just I just did like an entire speech on why I don't do anything like this. And I'm, I'm intrigued <laughs> uh, that I might actually I might try this with the peppers and the tomatoes this year just to get in. And that way I don't have to have a, a transplanting operation in my house. I just need to have a, a couple bags. And a nice, you know, put them on top of the fridge or whatever until they. Now, do you do this in light or as long as it's, it's more a heat thing, right? Well, again, it it depends on the on the plants. Uh, right. Most vegetables uh, aren't really that fussy, but they're fine in the light. Yeah. But there are some seeds that need darkness to germinate. Mm. So again, I take those same baggies and they're either in the fridge, which is dark, or I put them in my drawer, or my desk, which is dark. <laughs> So I can give them a lighter, dark treatment depending on what they need. Right. Right. Um, I, I have a question for you. You you say you don't uh, do the transplanting anymore. So do you take your tomato seeds and plant them directly in the garden? And I just... plant them under plastic. Like I plant, plant them uh, either in a cold frame or under a plastic dome. I basically okay. jumpstart. And, and that would be a, a dome that I would have had out either all winter or put out months before to... So that that soil is usually about a month ahead, and it's a bit of a, it's a microclimate, right? Yeah. And I find okay. that the uh, you, you, they're they're a bit behind the transplants, but because they're never moved, that there's no setback and there's no hardening off. So they once they 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 start off small, but they they catch up fast and they grow real almost like your bottle your your winter sowing type thing because they've yeah. they've only ever been outside. They don't have that huge adaptation. Um, so that's that's the trick, um, okay. especially if you don't move them. Yeah, I, I found that too. If, if things germinate outside, they're just so much tougher. Like, I, I think the the problem is that our eyes aren't really good at sensing light. So we we turn on a light in the house and we think, wow, that that's really bright. Like that's almost as bright as outside. But our lights are in the order of you know maybe five hundred lumens thousand lumens and the sun is 10,000 lumens. Yeah, you're not going to get a sunburn or skin cancer from being indoors uh, in your in your office. Yeah. <laughs> so we we think our lights are bright, but from a plant's perspective, it's actually not a lot of light. They're they're growing in, you know, very low low light conditions. Um, but we just perceive it as a lot of light. That would and be then you, t- you you take these poor guys outside and suddenly they're exposed to huge amounts of light. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know, when you read about transplanting, you're supposed to have the, the fluorescent light like an inch above the soil and you move it up an inch every time. You know, it just goes to, speaks to how, you know, uh, bright it actually needs to be to be even close to what uh, the real sun is like. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and transplants, uh, like tomato transplants, when I go and, tr- by the time I transplant them, they're, they're usually about a foot tall. Wow. Uh, I have tried starting them early and getting a jump start, and I've pretty much given up on that because you get big plants, but I think they get a real setback when you take them outside. And I find the difference between starting three weeks earlier and it, it doesn't end up with earlier tomatoes. Like you might get a tomato a day or two earlier, and it's not really worth it. 
Yeah. 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 They're only about three inches tall. And are you planting those deep or sideways and sort of bending them up? Usually sideways. Yeah. uh, Because they, you don't, if you go straight down, then the soil's still too cold down there. Yeah, I've literally killed my tomatoes by thinking, oh, I'm going to plant them super deep and they're going to get all this water down there, but it's it's like two degrees Celsius. (laughs) Yeah, it's early spring. You 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 kind of put them in a trench and you kind of you know carefully bend them up a little bit so that they're only at a couple inches below the surface of the soil. It's a little warmer there. Yeah, and and that's I've done that. Been doing that for for many years. Um, Yeah, I kind of like the seedlings in the house because I I love the smell of tomato plants. Right, right, yeah, it's a unique sort of smell. Yeah, and and it's just nice to get plants that you're playing with in the house that you can't do yet in the garden. So, yes, uh, that's that's I think that's one of the main reasons. Uh, uh, I'm certainly uh, at this time of the year, especially right now, where we just had a huge dump of snow, and I was even out. I was out in my garden last uh, weekend. I think I filmed this, and the soil in my cold frame is frozen. It's just like you'd think that that would be thawed, but uh, it's it's still frozen out there. So um, it's 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 only I think a couple of my domes there's like a, a narrow strip of soil where it's not. I got to do another. I've done a video every month of what's frozen and what isn't. Mm. <laughs> and that's really all I can make a video about right now. <laughs> I mean, to, to give a sense of like uh, how different things were last year. So last year, by this point in time, I'd actually sown spinach. Uh, under glass in outside and it had, it had germinated by the middle of March um, and this year I'm not even bothering to try um, <laughs> it just seems to be more I uh, just it doesn't feel like any you know like there's that point in March or at some point in the season you you, you want to go outside with your pruners and start doing stuff you just get this feeling like hey it's 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 time right I do not have that feeling at all. <laughs> no, well, yeah, we we have the same. It's been brutally cold. Like last yeah. night was minus twenty one centigrade. Wow. Um, that's cold for March. Yeah. Yeah. So this weekend's supposed to be eight degrees. So uh, we're above above freezing this weekend. So and sunny. So yeah, I think my, it's here. One of my listeners just uh, Facebooked me and uh, was. Saying, speaking to that effect, uh, that uh, looked like this this weekend would be uh, the beginning of, you know, the beginning of the end sort of thing. <laughs> that's up. I mean, what gardener isn't optimistic? So uh, that's enough for me. <laughs> I have to hang on to that. I think it's supposed to get up above zero one day. It's supposed to be some rain. I don't know. Whatever. I mean, but, you know, whenever I get out there with the pruners and start pruning, it's that's oh, it's a, such a wonderful. Uh, change in the season when you can, you know, oh, I better prune my apple trees and prune this and just like to me, that's the beginning of gardening season. That's the pruning. It's nice. So we we're going to talk a little bit about lights. Yeah. Uh, um, I I used to grow under fluorescent lights and they they work fine. Uh, I actually grew orchids at one point and I decided to get high intensity lights. So I do have 500 watt sodium lights, which are oh, beautiful. 500 watts. <laughs> yeah, well, it's actually a fixture with two 500 waters in it. Wow. Um, but I only use one. And the nice thing is they can be three feet, four feet above the plants, and the plants get lots of light. So it's more like being in a greenhouse, which makes it really nice for working with your plants. Yeah. But they use a lot of power. They're, <laughs> they're, they're not very efficient. <laughs> but I, I have them now, so that's that's what I'm using. If I was going to get new lights today, I'd get some of the new LED shop lights. Right. And there's lots of people who have reported very good success with them. They're not a lot more expensive than fluorescent shop lights. Uh, you won't get any of the technical information about the, the lights and so on. You just kind of have to trust them that they're they're going to work. And they work fine, especially for seedlings. 
and low light plants they'll be fine for. I'm not sure if I'd use them for something like orchids, which tend to be highlight required plants. Right. But that's what I would do now. I, I just get a couple of those and, and use those. Um, I've seen them available for, you know, $50 around that price range, even a little less. Uh, and they're, they're easy to install and easy to use. So now, you're saying you're saying shop lights and stuff like that. Not uh, what about like the, what they call grow lights? Yeah. Well, there are grow lights around. Uh, I have what a. Makes, what makes a grow light a grow light? Uh, price. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't get a grow light for fifty dollars. Uh, now you can get some really tiny little lights that people sell for plants, but it's like for one plant, right? Oh. It's, is isn't much use. Uh, proper grow lights are going to cost you two to three hundred dollars minimum. Oh, and you, you can spend a thousand dollars on a grow light. Right. And these are the ones with the the purple and red lights in them. What they call purple, the right. B. Uh, they work really well. They're they're quite high intensity. In fact, the intensity is so high on some of them they will actually burn your seedlings if you lower them too close to the plants. Wow. So the efficiency is, is quite good. The amount of light they produce is quite high. The problem with most of them is they have a fairly small footprint. So they're about the size of a laptop. And so you put that, you know, two feet above your plants. And you can imagine something that small and the light coming out. You're, you're not going to get many plants under it. You mean the footprint, like the, the, the cone of light only goes out about a foot wide? No, the, the, the actual the actual light itself is about the size of a laptop or a little smaller. Okay. So it's only, you know, like maybe a foot long by eight inches wide, usually something like that. It's quite small. Right. And the cone of light coming out of that is going to be pretty small too. So it's going to cover an area that's maybe three feet by three feet sort of thing. Right. It's only a couple trays really. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not going to cover much, and it's going to cost you two, three hundred dollars. Holy smokes! It's only really worth it if you're growing something that uh, is uh, illegal to sell. Uh, <laughs> not in Canada, <laughs> which isn't illegal anymore. Exactly. Um, so I, I, I mean, it, I, I can't. I couldn't justify buying those those lights. I, I just, they just don't me make a lot of sense to me. But they certainly work. There's, there's no doubt that you. Can make them work. Where right. they work really well is is when you have more of a greenhouse area and you put several of them in a row, right? Yeah. Right. So you have a bank of these things, and then right. you can cover a large area. Right. But if you're only buying one light, I, I think you're better off with the shop lights. Um, right. And price wise, they're they're hard to beat. I can't imagine. I mean, I I, I used to be a when I was in university, I made a living as a painter, and uh, like not like a, the typical university painting houses. But I mean, I worked like on, you know, industrial settings as a painter. And uh, we would have these 200 watt, uh, 200 watt light bulbs that we, we hook up into light pictures with this thing called a, I think it was called a pig. It's, mm -hmm. it's a pigtail. I think it's called a pigtail. It's, exactly. like, it's, it's, a, it's like a socket with two wires sticking out of it. You just wire it directly into the, uh, um, in the octagon box. And I remember that 200 watt bulb would be so bright, like, you know, it was good for painting because you could see everything. I couldn't even imagine 500 watts. That'd be incredible. Yeah, um, it's a fair amount of light. <laughs> does, uh, how much heat comes off the the, uh, the LED? It can't be. Is it enough heat to to warm anything, or is it they're fairly? They don't produce a lot of heat, are they? Well, this, this is one of the myths about LEDs is uh, one is that they're really efficient. You know, they're 100% efficient. Another one is they don't give off a lot of heat. And neither of those is, is really true. Well, now, they're, the 500 watts. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're more, LEDs are more efficient than, you know, the old incandescent lights and, yeah. and fluorescent lights. But they are not 100% efficient. Uh, if I remember right, they're in a 70% range. So you can't, you can't use that. You can't use energy and be 100% efficient. Some of that's got to yeah. be. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so that's a misconception. And that extra 30% energy turns into heat. Yeah. Yeah. So depending on how the fixture is made, 
um, like a, a proper LED grow light is designed so the heat is above the lights and, and moves upwards away from the light. And the better units, in fact, have little fans in them because oh, they, really? they get so hot that they actually have to blow the heat away. So LED bulbs will last a long time provided they don't get hot. Right. If, you, if they get hot, they, they burn out quite quickly. Right. So these things have fans in them. Of course, the fans need electricity too. Yes. So when you're buying a, a light and the light is, you know, let's call it a 100-watt fixture, the 100 watts is the electricity it uses for everything. Oh. It, not all of that goes to the light, right? So a good part of that might go to the fans. Yeah. So it's very hard to compare uh, LED lights and say, well, this is a 100 water and this is 150 and 150 is better because the 150 might actually give you more light. It really depends on the type of bulbs that are in there, the electronics that are in there, the, the type of fans you have, and, and so on. So right. the wattage is a, is a bit of a guide. Like, you know, 100 is not as good as 1,000. Yeah. But you might have a 200 uh, fixture that's not as good as a 100 fixture. It's only uh, 50%. It could be 100% more watts, but only 50% more aluminum. Yeah. So you really have to look at the light output when you're you're buying those. Right. Now again, when you buy shop lights, they don't tell you any of that. Like none of there's there's no specs there. You don't know what the spectra looks like. Uh, you just have to buy them, and you know they will work for seedlings. Right. Uh, just yeah, it's going to throw it a lot of light, and it's, <laughs> it's going to work. Yeah. But there's been lots of people on YouTube and on the internet who who you know, who switched over to them and they work just fine. So I'm pretty confident they will work. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the next thing we we're going to talk about, our final topic was uh, planting out. Cause that's, that's one of the things I, I found the most frustrating is you, you put all this time and energy into your seedlings and, and everything's looking fantastic when you're inside. Even when you've done little things like, you know, uh, waved your hand around and touched them and, and done with all those little, have a little fan going somewhere, all that sort of stuff. And then you put it outside, you, 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 you have one bad day, you go to work and the temperature drops and they're dead or whatever, right? Um, so uh, you had some tips on that. Well, I, I don't have a problem with any of that because I bu built myself a really expensive sunroom and oh. I just put them in there. <laughs> uh, what I would, what I would, do with them is uh, take them out and and you you have to put them in a shady location you can't put them somewhere where they're going to get some direct sun during the day uh, because you're not there to watch them so mine go out, like a north side of the house sort of thing yeah mine mine go out on a, a sort of a northeast side but they're in a cubby corner where they get very little light except maybe the first half hour in the morning when it's cool yeah. And there's no way they're getting direct light the rest of the day. Right. So they'll spend three days there. Right. And then I'll move them out a couple feet away from the house. So they get a little more wind and they get a little more sun. And then every two or three days I'll move them a little farther. And I find that after about a week they're 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 pretty good. Oh, so that's a different tech. That's better than so what I was doing is I put it on the north side for three days and I put it on the east side for a number of days and I stick it on the south side and they vaporize. <laughs> yeah. um, so I think it takes takes about a week. Again, you have to look. You, there's, gardeners like to do things with numbers, right? So they, they say, well, how long should I condition them? And Because they want a date. Is it seven mm -hmm. days or is it 10 days? And it doesn't work that way. You have to, first of all, figure out how sunny has it been. Yes. If yeah. I put them out one day and we get a real cloudy week, then they haven't been exposed to sun. So it's, I have to wait for some sunny days to get them used to the sun. Yeah. If the temperature drops, then they're not being exposed to warmer temperatures, right? So it's going to take a little longer. So you kind of have to look at the, the weather you you want your before you put them in the ground the seedlings should be getting full sun and the 
the, the temperature that they're going to have the next week or so after they're in the ground. Right. And you just have to play it by ear and see, see what happens. Sometimes I put them out and three days later I have to bring them back in again because it's getting too cold. Right. right. So what I then do is, and I always look at the weather two weeks out and the weather forecasting is getting pretty good online now. Uh, but I'm looking, f I'm not looking for a frost. I'm looking for uh, at least five degrees. My rule of thumb, and again, we're centigrade, uh, but my rule of thumb is I need five degrees above freezing. Um, and that's, that's the lower limit because things like tomato plants can be harmed below that. Oh, yeah. But where do you go to get your, your weather information? Um, I mean, I just look at Environment Canada, but is there, yeah. that only goes ahead a week sort of thing. Yeah, I, well, I do weather.ca. Weather.ca? Yeah. And I think, I'm pretty sure there's a weather.com that's pretty right. much the same thing. Right. And I trust, a, a week out, it's pretty good. Two right. weeks out is a bit fuzzy. Margin of error there. <laughs> yeah. But if, if I look two weeks out and they're calling for, you know, three days of frost, like froze low temperatures, that's too early to go out. You know, I don't, I don't care. I don't do things by dates. I, you, you got to look at the weather. Um, and I have to look out that the next two weeks have to show that this is going to be above five degrees for me to put them into the garden. Right. Yeah, I've often thought of like uh, something I've, I've done a couple of videos on this, but I just have not uh, since I've gone back to, you know, when I started doing all this garden stuff, I was basically teaching part time in university. And now I have a full-time um, job with the government here, so I don't have as much time for all these experiments. But I, I had this idea that if you, because this is something you do as an angler, um, a lot of things tell you when other things are like you. There's certain uh, when the peepers start singing is when you can catch uh, catch uh, smelts in the rivers. And there's all these things that are timed to other things. Certain things bloom like the. When the strawberries uh, bloom is usually when the sea trout come up the rivers and, and certain things like that. So I thought, you know, most of those plants, they're going to wait. They're not going to, you know, do their thing the first nice day. They're going to wait a certain amount of time. But they're just going to have evolved for that. Like the conditions have to be right for a certain amount of time before they actually start to go into season mode sort of thing. Yeah. All things being equal. I mean, there's years where things like last year we had a hard hard freeze frost late june um that uh just a lot of things i mean like so you know the oak trees had leaves and the the maple tree everything had leaves uh, you know like <laughs> the trees even got it wrong that year sort of thing um but it's 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 along the lines of what you're suggesting that you know it's got nothing to do with dates and numbers of days it's it's how is the season going and playing it by ear and just going, you know, like using all the sources of information you could possibly bring to bear on that question and, and making a judgment call and hoping you get it right. Yeah. Now, the other thing I sometimes do, too, is I, I split them. So uh, I might say, well, I think I'm going to try for some really early tomatoes this year. Oh, so I, I bet you do that every year. <laughs> well, <laughs> could be. Yeah. Um, but you, what you do is you take, you know, two or three plants and you put them out and you know that it's risky, but they just might survive and give you an early crop. Yeah. And if you lose them, the majority of your crop is still inside being protected. Yes. Right. That's right. So I do that. And a lot of the vegetables I grow are, are direct seeded. So I, I love uh, sugar snap peas. Yeah. And I do that with them too. I'll, I'll plant them really early sometimes if you know if the, if, the, if the snow's gone and the, and the, there's a bit of drying and I think geez you know they just might make it I'll I'll plant one row of peas knowing that there's a good chance they won't make it but if yeah. they do I have an early crop oh they're crazy tough peas yeah yeah and the the problem with the other thing I've done with with peas actually I've started pre-germinating them right and I it speeds up the process. I, I'm not sure it's really worth it, but um, peas are really dry when you get them. Mm -hmm. So I always soak them overnight 
and I think that helps because they absorb the water. Germination doesn't start until a seed actually absorbs water to a certain extent. It needs a certain amount of moisture inside the seed, and that triggers the chemical reactions to start germination. Right. So by soaking them inside, uh, that helps a lot. Right. But I've actually the last couple of years, what I've done is I've soaked them and then I've left them sitting in a bit of water, not completely covered because seeds also need oxygen. Right. But it's sort of half covered and like let them sit like, there. Like they're bathing. <laughs> they're bathing, yeah. Like they're floating with their tummies in the air and their bums in the water. Yeah, yeah. And then I wait till they start germinating. Okay. They'll germinate faster because they're in the house and it's warmer. Yes. And then once I see the, the little radicals starting to break through, then I take them out and plant them. And then I get plants much quicker that way. That doesn't make them fragile for uh, extreme cold. Well, if I get extreme cold, then I do it all over again do with another yeah. set of peas. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And I, I tend to split my crop anyways. I do some earlier and some later. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Uh, to to spread out the, the harvest a little bit. That's right. Um, you know, I do that. Um, I have a I have a myth question for you. Do you grow cucumbers? Yeah. All right. Do you hill them up? Like, do you make a hill and plant in the hill? No. No. I just stick them in the ground about to the first knuckle on my thumb, yeah. and that's it. But but you've heard about hilling them up, right? Oh yeah. Put them make a hill, plant three seeds in the hill, and then take yeah. you know take out two of them or whatever. Yeah. 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 So I, I mean, I've I, when I was younger, I did that all the time because that's what the package said: make a hill. Yeah put the seeds in there. Well, uh, I'm pretty sure this is in my Garden Myths book too. Uh, the question comes up is why do you put them on a hill? Like why should a hill work? And it's actually kind of interesting. It turns out that the word hill is based on some old Latin or English word that actually meant something completely different. Really? It just meant a community. So what people would do is they would plant three or four seeds in one spot, and then they just let the plants go out in all directions, 360 degrees. It had nothing to do with actually making a mound. Really? So it's a, it's a translation error. Oh, my God. Now it, it actually yeah, it says it on every seed pack, and you read it everywhere. Yeah. I just didn't do it because it, it, uh, I thought, well, the hill is – I make a hill it's not going to have the the right uh moisture balance it's going to dry out faster than the, the base soil sort of things so my my thinking was like you know it's it's going to have more kind of constant moisture if it's at the soil level sort of thing why would i put it up even higher and have all that drain out yeah uh, and and you know what you're you're absolutely right in soil that drains well they're actually too dry on a hill Mm -hmm. right? So if your soil is very sandy, for instance, yeah. uh, or you're planting later in the season and it's already drying out, they don't actually get enough water. You can't really water a hill very well. No. The water, <laughs> the water runs away, right? Yeah, that's right. So many wells, wells are built on top of the hills. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in areas where the soil is very wet and stays wet, the hill is actually an advantage because it warms up faster than the ground around it yep. and and cucumbers need warm soil yeah okay so hills do work but if you're going to build a hill then you should build the hill in the fall so that when the snow melts it's already there and it warms up very quickly right and then plant in it or skip the whole thing and just plant on flat ground yeah yeah so cucumbers is another one that, you know, it needs warmer temperatures. And there's no point in rushing cucumbers. Um, if you put it in a cold soil, they just don't grow very well. That's right. Um, but you can start them indoors. Uh, they're a little trickier because they're vines and they start clinging to each other and, and they make a real mess. But yeah. as long as you don't make them grow them too big indoors, you, you can get a couple weeks head start on cucumbers. Uh, so that works works very well. Um, I find also even if you put um, um, for cucumbers, if if you just put um, the plastic on the ground, just a, just a piece of plastic on the ground where they're going to be planted. Um, let's let's say 
let's say the uh, the forecast and the last frost date is going to be two weeks from today. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, but let's just say um, you put plastic on the ground, just flat plastic, just weigh it down with some rocks two weeks before you think you're going to plant them just to warm the ground up, right? Yeah. Um, and even that, um, and, and then when you even when you sow them, you leave the plastic on for, let's say, three or four days. And mm -hmm. then you take it off. And then, and then take it off, yeah. Almost like, a, almost like a baggie, you know, like you're turning the soil. <laughs> it's you know. like a baggie, yeah. yeah but you got to get it off. Uh, you can't leave it on too long or it's just, uh, yeah. If you, you can't just put a bag, uh, put the plastic, put the seed in, put the plastic on and go uh, go, go to Disney World for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that will not work. But, uh, yeah. uh, last year I even tried uh, sprouting some beans and potting them up. Uh, which got them making fruit a little earlier, or maybe saved a week. Right. Uh, it's again, I don't know if it's really worth it, but you know, if you've got the space and the time, uh, why not? Right. Particularly if you're in a colder climate like we are, a week makes a big difference. Because I, I find uh, pole beans, you know, it takes them a certain amount of time to make the first bean, and then it will produce beans until frost. That's right. And this, if you start a week earlier, you have an extra week of beans. That's definitely a good. I mean, I, I plant bush and pole, and I get the bush, and then the yeah. pole sort of come in when the bushes are done. But if you were just going to plant one, and, and and if you were just going to plant one, you'd want to plant the pole if you could get them started earlier because you just they just keep going and going and going. Yeah, That's a really good idea for that. Yeah, yeah. that that worked fairly well. Um, you know, it's again, it's it's extra work and so on, but. Um, especially if you have a smaller garden, it's probably worth doing. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, Robert, thanks a lot. I think we've uh, uh, discussed, uh, we've covered it fairly well today. Uh, it's been uh, great having you on the show. Uh, any chance we can have you back again? Yeah, I'm sure I'll be around sometime. Okay. I'd, lo I'd love to be on the show again. Right, that's great. All right, just before I let you go, everybody, just a quick note to my sponsors. If you are buying from Vessi's, whether you're buying from the uh, United States or Canada, uh, this, this is only available in the United States and Canada. If you use the coupon code GAVS19, you can get free shipping on Vessi's products. As long as you buy one pack of seeds with uh, your order, you'll get free shipping, unless, of course, it's an oversized item. There's details on the, uh, in the uh, description box if you're on YouTube or in the show notes if you're on my podcast website. Uh, for Safers, if you want to get a discount on Safers Gardening products, just use the coupon code MARITIME, M-A-R-I-T-I-M-E, and you get a discount on uh, products you buy from, from Safers, depending on whether you're using the American website or the Canadian website. So um, give that a try. If you want to support the show, Buy your products from my sponsor, and that's the best way to support the show. Hopefully we'll get you back again this season. It was great having you again. Always great talking gardening, especially to such a, an experienced gardener. Everyone, thanks for listening to the show, and um, until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. Robert, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Right.